Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone. It's Nikki here. Now, just before we get started this week, I wanted to just firstly say thanks for joining me here for the show. And secondly, please remember to like, subscribe and share the show. And if you're feeling particularly generous, then please leave a review on iTunes as it helps us in so many ways with those sneaky little algorithms. You can also watch me host the show on YouTube by searching for Macabre London Podcast on their website. Each show includes photos along with me telling you the story to help immerse you. And occasionally there's a guest appearance made by my cat, so that's worth watching. Please stay tuned at the end of the show where I'll be sharing a trailer from another podcast that I think you should check out all links for which you'll be able to find in the show notes. Thanks for listening. In a cramped, ever-expanding city, the living have a tendency to also become the dead. With overflowing graveyards becoming a public health risk, the dead weren't exactly given a peaceful oasis to spend resting in the afterlife. That was until an idea was hatched to transport the dead to a resting place a short train ride away from the oversaturated graveyards of London. This time on Macabre London, we're uncovering the story of the Necropolis Railway. London today is a bustling metropolis, an exciting place to visit, and a somewhat safe place to call home. An eclectic mix of people from all over the world live in London, and the crime rate is dropping year on year. In some parts of this vibrant capital, the crime rate is lower than that of much smaller cities in other parts of the UK. However, things haven't always been so safe. Stories and tales of old have echoed around the streets and grown to become that of legend, particularly those of a gruesome nature. Today we'll be exploring one of these stories and discovering about London's often bloody past. My name is Nikki Drees, and this is Macabre London.
Before cremation became the popular choice in the death industry, the main process for disposing of your loved ones was to bury them. In the 1800s, the rituals surrounding death, burial and mourning was a fairly drawn out process. This was due to the fact that there were very few procedures in place to actually dispose of bodies. Quite often, after a loved one had passed away, the body would be kept inside the family home for a few days before being removed and then buried. Before people really understood the potential disease risk a decomposing body inside a home posed, corpses were usually collected once a week and then buried in barely marked plots with often three to four people having been placed in the same plot fairly recently in flimsy caskets or in some cases just wrapped in cloth. Only the rich could afford bespoke funeral services and up until the Victorian period when mourning became chic, Corpses were just disposed of without much thought, as many treated bodies just as an outer skin suit that the inhabiting person's soul would have already vacated. As London's living population grew, so did the quantity of its dead residents, and by the 1850s the problem was growing at such a rate that it was becoming a public health risk. To make way for new burials, bodies that had undergone a few months of decomposing were exhumed and scattered into water or into the streets or dumped into wells. At a time when the knowledge of how cholera was spread didn't exist, people didn't realise that dumping deceased cholera victims into water may have a cyclical effect and spread the disease even further. But all that was about to change, with a huge outbreak of cholera which saw London's death toll peak to over 14,000, the small cramped churchyards were heaving with decaying bodies. To make way for new corpses, many bodies were exhumed just weeks after burial. With developments in medicine, and theories surrounding the spread of cholera through water now being explored, the authorities couldn't risk yet another outbreak of the disease as a result of exhumed and scattered remains infecting the water supply. So a royal commission was instigated, and as a result, the Burial Act was created in 1851. The Burial Act stopped the practice of bodies being exhumed and scattered, and no new corpses were allowed to be buried in churchyards in London. This meant that London was now closed to the dead, and an alternative burial site would need to be sought elsewhere. Two enterprising industrialists, Richard Brown and Richard Spry, saw the opportunity that could be exploited from this gap in the death market. The pair began searching for a large plot of land outside the constraints of the city, which could contain more dead than the city could produce, even with its already expanding growth rate. The population in London was on the up, and in just 50 years had more than doubled. From less than a million in the early 1800s, London's population only peaked at just under a million. But fast forward 50 years, and that number had more than doubled to 2.5 million. With the living population expanding, the dead population would grow as well. What with the churchyards now closed to new burials, Brown and Spry were set to have a booming business. Originally, London was peppered with seven large cemeteries, often referred to as the Magnificent Seven today. With all seven being fairly huge, the two Richards planned that their cemetery would be even larger and could house many more bodies than London could produce. They even went as far as to make it the largest cemetery in the world at that time. The cemetery would be a safe enough distance away so as to not pose any kind of risk to London from another disease outbreak, but it was marketed to also be used as a destination for the Victorians to head to on the weekends to hang out with their deceased relatives and to also maybe take a picnic. With a site acquired in Brookwood, near Woking, the next obstacle was to work out how to transport the bodies to the site. Traditional horse and carriage hearses would take far too long to travel the 23 miles to the site from central London, 
and motor transport was not yet invented. So the newfangled technology of the steam train was put forward as the quickest option for a speedy burial. Richard Brown was very keen on the route from Waterloo Station as the tracks ran mainly through undeveloped fields and countryside. Brown thought that the view from the train could have a cathartic and calming effect on mourners and would help with the mental anguish many of the passengers would be undergoing. The speed of the trains now offered a quicker burial service than could be sought inside London, but as with anything there was a way to offer different levels of service and the option to make even more money with a tiered system. The two Richards offered funerals in three different points, known as third, second and first class. As you might expect, each service reflected its respective price expectation, with third class being a very basic service and first class being much more extravagant. Tickets were issued for those being buried and also for those attending the funeral, with the difference being that the dead were only issued with a one-way ticket. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. To transport the bodies, a train needed to be sought, and with the Royal Railway not having been that much of a success, the Royal Train was bought by the service. The carriages were made and adapted for coffins and also mourners. The coffins would sit to either side of the passenger carriages, with the first class carriages decked out with velvet drapes and silk shaded lamps whereas the third-class carriages would be more stripped back and still comfortable but not as fancy and could sometimes be shared with the odd coffin or two if the coffin carriages were overcrowded. The train itself was obviously painted black with the carriages following suit and it must have been quite an obvious train to spot at the station. The offices and the terminus of the London Necropolis Railway were based in Waterloo and the ornate and imposing gates were created as part of the Great Exhibition and were grandiose in style, with curved iron filigree befitting of any macabre castle. The offices and terminus were designed for efficiency, with storage for coffins built inside the viaduct leading into Waterloo Station, and the terminus containing rooms capable of holding funeral services inside, which could also double as waiting rooms for those wishing to visit their buried loved ones. The location was well thought out. 
Delivery of corpses could be quickly coordinated with bodies being delivered via the Thames from either end of the city. And within a day, dear old grandma could take the trip on the train inside her wooden overcoat and be cooling in the ground. Sadly, the first burial at Brookwood was stillborn twins whose parents, Mr and Mrs Hoer, took the first solemn journey on the Necropolis Railway. And so began the saddest route that had ever run on any train network. With the rail line now running, the terminus was set to be created into a funeral empire built for efficiency and speed. With funerals being awarded first, second and third class gradings, the surrounding of the building needed to reflect this. In the planning stages, the two Richards had planned that the funeral home element of the terminus would have a private entrance which would afford mourners privacy away from the main hustle and bustle of Waterloo Station. The entrance hall for the first and second class funerals was lavish and grandiose. Think plenty of velvet and low-level lighting. The third-class funeral's entrance, however, was more bog-standard and smaller, but still fit for purpose and not too bad in style. Think more doctor's waiting room rather than Victorian opulence. Every detail had been thought out in the terminus. The walls around the area where the hearse carriages would wait was blocked out from any prying eye which may want to look onto the private Necropolis railway platform but there were still windows installed in a false wall, which still gave the illusion of daylight outside. The waiting rooms for each class were made fairly similar, apart from cosmetic differences, meaning that if there was a sudden influx of first, second or third class funerals, then all the staff had to do was to move a few drapes here, take down some paintings or put some up, and everything would be fit for any class. Perhaps the strangest but most sensible addition to the terminus was a glass ceiling installed over carriages, meaning no shadows would be cast over the mourners, train or coffins as they were being loaded on. In a time when shadows were regarded as a bad omen, it made sense to let as much light into the terminus as possible, to avoid people thinking it was full of shadowy demons waiting to whisk the deceased off to hell on the death train. Once the train was ready to leave on its daily journey to and from the terminus, Mourners were issued with a return ticket in their allotted class, and coffins were also issued with a one-way ticket, again with the first, second or third class offering, and then loaded onto the train in the corresponding hearse carriage, meaning the rich didn't have to rub shoulders with the poor, even when encased in oak. And the same applied to religion. Believers and non-believers were put into different carriages, so nobody would be upset on the way. After embarking on the journey, the train would stop at the station inside of Brookwood Cemetery. The station at the cemetery was also well designed, with again every final detail thought through so funerals could go off without a hitch. The station platform was levelled in such a way that the carriages holding mourners had square brick frontage to them, but the sections where the hearse carriages would pull up to had rounded edges so as to allow the easy load off of the coffins onto trolleys so they could be wheeled into the chapel at the other end for the funeral or loaded out waiting staff from the railway and the churchyard to work together in taking them to their allotted grave. Once the burial was over, mourners would then make the return journey back into the city, leaving their loved one resting in the much cleaner and less populated earth than London could ever have afforded them. And just like that, the two Richards had solved the burial crisis. The business went well for a number of years, even after they themselves had passed away. That was until the original terminus in Waterloo was under the threat of being absorbed inside the expansion of the public station as demand grew for public transport. With several negotiations made with the opposing rail company, the London Necropolis Company eventually accepted the deal to relocate to a different terminus, but with quite a few large demands. 
As the expansion of Waterloo Station couldn't happen without the relocation of the original terminus, the necropolis business could afford to make some risky demands, knowing full well they would most likely be met. The new station had to be built by the opposing company, but with the design still being in the hands of the LNC, there was to be compensation made available for the loss of earnings and hassle of relocating to a different site. All new carriages were also expensed back, and any rent that would be paid to the opposing company would be very small and very infrequent. So with that, the offices and terminus were moved, and all terms were agreed to, even if that was through gritted teeth from the legal team. Now settled into the new site, the service continued to run its daily 12pm service to Brookwood, even throughout World War II. That was up until the night of the 16th of April 1941, when a heavy air raid destroyed many areas of the city, but also caused a major fire to break out, which destroyed the carriages of the trains, which then eventually alerted German bombers, who dropped even more incendiaries and wiped out most of the area. All that remained were the platforms and the offices and a few waiting rooms. Ultimately, the London Necropolis Railway had been slowly depleting in popularity and usage for a number of years, and the bombing in 1941 was quite literally the final blow to the company. And after 87 years, the time had come to relinquish the business. What with London having reopened its churchyards a long while ago, and with cars now popular, the railway was seen as an outdated form of transporting bodies, and the original business plan that was written at its creation now made the whole system seem outdated. With the company's sole purpose now being the ownership of Brookwood, the LNC office was relocated to the site. What was left of the terminus was repurposed as sidings for trains that were out of action, and the station at Brookwood slowly became overgrown and was repurposed into storage. However, if you visit the cemetery today, the tracks still remain in some areas, with a section preserved for posterity at Brookwood, resting amongst the other graves in perhaps the most befitting ends to the service that could have ever befallen it. It seems ironic that London's largest funeral business would eventually end up much like its patrons, at age 87 and buried in the churchyard of its own creation. But that doesn't stop it from still being remembered today. In 2017, the London Dungeon made it their Halloween experience, meaning a whole new generation of people now know it existed, and some Londoners who walk past the building on Westminster Bridge still know that behind the metal signage, carved in stone, hides the words London Necropolis. Thank you so much for joining me for that episode of Macabre London. Please let me know if you would have travelled on the Necropolis Railway, if you'd pick a first, second or third class burial, or if you even saw the London Dungeon performance, as I'd love to know what you thought. We can chat in the comment box on YouTube, on social media via Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. All the links are in the show notes below. Or just search Macabre London Podcast and you'll find us. A big hello to all of my new subscribers. It's lovely to have you on board. And if you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to like, comment, share and review us. It helps new people discover us and also helps to grow the podcast and YouTube channel. If you'd like to support the show so I can make more shows on a regular basis and also unlock the vaults of exclusive content, then please do check out our Patreon link in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me for another macabre tale from London's past and I'll see you next time. Are you fascinated with the paranormal? Do you love good stories? Ones that are shrouded in mystery, intrigue? 
Stories that evoke that spine-chilling sensation we hate to love. Stories that make us wonder, could that really be true? If so, Unearthly Paranormal Stories is for you. Join me, Nicole, every other Friday for a new story based on actual paranormal experiences. For more information, check out our website at www.unearthlypodcast.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.